have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. We are in a series right now on the Lord's Prayer. We've already done Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. For this program, we just explained the words, thy will be done. I think this request of the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done, is the most confusing. So let's talk about it. It'll take the whole sermon. Because who can stop God from doing his will? I mean, um, uh, uh, Luther said this, Thy will be done. What does this mean? The good and gracious will of God is surely done without our prayer. But we ask in this prayer that it may also be done among us. In other words, God will do his will. Nobody can stop God from doing his will. I mean, I went to Mount St. Helens. Remember how that blew up in 1980? If you go there today, the top third of the mountain is gone. They show you movies of it blowing up. It put the fear of God in me. This, this uh, just huge mountain gone, in this, and, and God is more powerful than 10,000 volcanoes. And God is powerful. Listen to this, Isaiah 43. I am he from all eternity, says the Lord. There is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? Isaiah 14. For the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? The answer is nobody. Um, and uh, 2 Chronicles 20, power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Uh, Daniel uh, 4, God does according to his will and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, why have you done so? So the, the, the first point I want to make about God's will is God's will will be done and nobody, not the ACLU, not the abortion clinics, not the Supreme Court, not the liberal media, nobody can stop God from doing his will. Let me give you an example. It's about 1300 B.C. God wants to save the Jews and get them out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And so God sends Moses saying, Pharaoh, let them go. And Pharaoh says, no. And God basically says, okay then, Pharaoh, watch. And Pharaoh gets hit with all of these horrible plagues. And finally, Pharaoh says, okay, God, bye. And he lets the people go. Uh, uh, when God wants to do something, he does it, whether you pray or not. All right. Here's where it gets confusing. Thy will be done. Well, um, is God's will being done? America kills every fourth baby in the womb. Abortion is huge in America. Do you know who the major producers and distributors of pornography are worldwide? It's the United States, and it's almost all coming out of Southern California. We are, the, we are the nation which is polluting the world with pornography. Can't you look at this world and say, what do you mean God's will is being done? It isn't being done. Well, this is where it gets confusing. That's why we need to take the whole half hour on explaining what does Jesus mean when he teaches us to pray, thy will be done 
on heaven as it is on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to learn now there are four kinds of God's will. His permissive will, his perfect will, his revealed will, and his hidden will. This is going to get a little confusing, but please hang in there and follow me as we go through this portion of the Lord's Prayer. We need to pray for wisdom first, so let's pray. Father, as we get into this confusing topic of your will and what you permit and what and don't want, we would pray, Lord, that you give us just open ears and open hearts, open my mouth, and Lord, speak to us now about your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Four types of God's will, perfect and permissive, revealed and hidden. First, let's talk about God's perfect will. For instance, if you're a Christian, according to 2 Corinthians 6, if you're a Christian, you marry a Christian. That's his perfect will for your life. If you come to me as a pastor and want me to marry you to your atheist boyfriend, I won't do it. Or your Buddhist boyfriend, I won't do it. Because according to 2 Corinthians 6, 14, if you're a Christian, you marry a Christian. That's God's perfect will for your life. Now, let's say you want to be rebellious and you still want to marry your atheist boyfriend. You can find lots of pastors, sadly, who will do it. But then you get what you get, and that's called God's permissive will. God's perfect will is as a Christian, you marry a Christian. God's permissive will is, okay, if you reject me, I'll permit it, but then you get what you get. Um, Let's talk more about the permissive will of God. I don't go into music stores much anymore because I'm older and I don't buy record albums because they don't exist anymore. Cassette tapes don't exist. You know, everything's changed and I'm getting old. But I went into a music store a while ago and I looked at the 10 top selling record albums or whatever it is, they, CDs, whatever they call them. Seven out of 10 had a warning, explicit li lyrics on, on, on the, I mean, seven out of 10 are containing the F-words and everything else. And kids are listening to this because parents don't keep track. And evil music has invaded America. Like we said just now, pornography has invaded America. What's going on there? Well, that's not God's perfect will. It's his permissive will. And it's kind of like God saying to America, okay, America, you don't want me? Then you don't get me. But then look what happens next. I'll permit it. It's not my perfect will. It's my permissive will. I mean, I was at a church, and the pastor, during the sermon, starts doing this. And he did it with the whole box of Kleenex. And I'm sitting there near the front row, getting very uncomfortable with him doing this. And I thought, why am I getting so uncomfortable with him doing that? And I thought, because he's wasting a perfectly good box of Kleenex. And, and the point of his sermon was... If you insist on wasting your life, God will allow that. That's his permissive will. But you'll get hurt because his perfect will is loving. He, he doesn't want you to waste your life. So, you know, you can waste your life. A lot of Christians are. God will permit it. But it's not his perfect will. It's not what you're put on the planet for. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done, you're not praying for his permissive will. We've already got that in America. You're praying for his perfect will. Now to get even more confusing, let's talk about the revealed will and the hidden will of God. I have a Calvinist friend. Calvinists are big in predestination. I believe in predestination. It's in the Bible. 
But my Calvinist friend said that God has a revealed will, and he also has a hidden will. And he explained it to me, and I, I initially thought, that's crazy. It makes God sound schizophrenic. But having re-looked at the scripture, he's got a point. Now listen carefully to this, this passage. This is from um, Exodus chapter 7. Moses, tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you, and then I will lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my people of the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Did you catch that? It's kind of a strange passage. God has a revealed will. Moses, tell Pharaoh, let him go. But, Moses... I'm going to harden his heart, the hidden will of God. I'm going to harden his heart so he won't let them go, so I can do all these miracles and show all the Egyptians that I exist. You have a revealed will of God, let him go. A hidden will of God, I'm going to harden his heart so they won't let him go, so I can glorify my name. That's what it says. So, uh, I, I think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Remember Joseph's brothers threw him down into a well, sold him into slavery, but then later, he becomes number two man in Egypt and feeds his family during the famine. God had a revealed will. Don't hurt your brother. He also had a hidden will. But I will allow you to do those awful things to him so he can become a big man in Egypt and save your whole family. There's the perfect will of God, and then there's the permissive will of God. There's the revealed will of God, and then there are things we don't understand, and it's called the hidden will of God. Let me draw some conclusions for our personal lives from all this, because I know it's confusing. It's confusing to me. Number one, God does have a perfect will for your life. When you pray, uh, thy will be done, you're praying for God's perfect will. He does have a perfect plan for your life. I was talking to a young woman who had a baby out of wedlock, and her three-month-old baby died. And she said, you know, Pastor Brock, I used to think God had a plan for everybody's life. And then this happened. And I said, he did. I, why, do, why a baby dies at three months, only the Lord knows. But I believe God's, God had a plan and a will for your child. And it's not God's will for everybody to be here till they're 90 years old. Second conclusion for our life from all this. Following God's plan is good for you. <laughs> the reason you pray, thy will be done is because you know that's what's best for you. Let me explain this. Satan has a lot of people blinded to think, Satan will bring you fun. God will make you miserable. And if I follow God, he'll make me go to Africa and become a missionary, and I'll have to give up everything, and I'll have to put my hair in a tight bun, and I'll have to be miserable the rest of my life. That's the devil talking. The devil is the one who'll make you miserable. God is the one who brings life. I mean, I told you on a previous program about a murder funeral I had to do. A young woman I had confirmed many years ago, her live-in boyfriend killed her, and when they interviewed the lady, the next-door neighbor on TV about her, she said, yeah, they, they would drink all night even though they had kids in the house, and I never saw her smile. That's what Satan will do. Satan will make you miserable. God is the one. A Christian is never comfortable with God's permissive will. You always want God's perfect will. And another thing to say about the will of God, you can find and do God's perfect will now. 
You know, some people think if you want to discover God's will for your life, good luck. He hides it. It's really hard to figure out what he wants you to do. Baloney. Do you know that 98% of what God wants you to do, he's already told you. It's in this book. Now, he might not specifically tell you, move to California or marry this person, but 98%, all the other stuff, 98% of what God wants you to do, he's already told you. I mean, I know a Pentecostal pastor, and he said to me, you know, some of the people from my church, they keep rushing to this revival meeting and that revival meeting and going to prophets for all these words from the Lord when he said, 98% of what God wants them to know is already in this book, and they're not reading the book. <laughs> all right, last question for today. How can I discern God's will for my life? You know, maybe you're an old person and you're wondering, do I stay in my apartment or do I move to a nursing home? God, what do I do? Maybe you're, you're middle-aged. God, do I take this job or do I stay put or do I go, what do we do? Or maybe you're a young person. Lord, do I marry this person or do I go to that school or what do I do with my life? No matter what age you're at, you always need to discover God's will. Last question for today is how do, we, how do you do that? How do you discover God's will for your life? Again, I'm teaching it's not hard. Sometimes you've got to wait on him, but it's not hard. Let me get, just uh, share with you four things that will help you discover God's will. Number one, from James chapter 1, If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously, but let him ask of fa in faith. So if you don't know what to do on a certain thing, the first thing you do is you pray in faith. And then you wait. Lord, I'm claiming James 1. I don't know what to do. You say, if we pray with faith, you're going to show me. So God, show me what to do. And then in his time, he does. Second way, I mean, let, let me, before we get to the second way, in 1988, we started doing this TV show. And you know how that started? I got on my knees one night and I prayed, you know, Lord, people have said we need to go on TV with our message. And I don't know, is that from you or not? And it just seemed, yes, do this. And we have been on the air now since 1988, and it started with a prayer. So if you're not sure what to do with your life, make sure you're praying about it. Second way to discover God's will for your life, again, is Scripture. I'll say it again. 98% of what God wants you to know is in here already. So are you reading your Bible every day? You need to. Third way to discover God's will, and you've got to be careful on this one, prophecies and visions. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophesying, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. Let me tell you a story. Years ago, I'm visiting a friend of mine out in Washington State, and he went to one of these Pentecostal, charismatic-type churches, and there was a former Mr. Universe, who now is a preacher, is up in the front preaching. And at the end, he said, I'd like to prophesy over people. I'm like a good Lutheran sitting in the very back row wondering about all this. And one by one, people w went up, and he said a word from the Lord over them. I'm not moving. I'm in the back waiting to leave. <laughs> and Mr. Universe says to me, hey, the big guy in the back row, can I prophesy over you? <laughs> I had Mr. Universe call me a big guy, and I kind of liked that. Well, anyway, I came up, and he prophesied over me. And you know what? It came true. And, and I will tell it was about me having a radio and TV ministry. And it happened. You know. Now, on the other hand, I've had other people give me prophecies that didn't come true. So you've got to be careful on this stuff. But mainly scripture, prayer. But a third way, sometimes God gives you a prophecy, a word from the Lord. You've got to test it, though, says Paul. And then the fourth way you discern God's word, an abundance of counselors. 
It says in Proverbs 24, in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. If I have a big decision to make, I don't make it by myself. I go to my Christian friends, what do you think? Do you think I should do this or that? I get all kinds of opinions because in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. So if you need to discover God's will, it's not hard. Pray and, and, and ha pray in faith that he's going to show you. Then read scripture about it. If somebody gives you a prophecy, test it. And then in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. Get advice from other Christians. I believe that's the way you're going to discover God's will for your life. So let's summarize all this. When you pray, thy will be done in the Lord's Prayer, you're not praying for God's permissive will. We've already got that. You're praying for his perfect will. Sometimes it's hidden. Uh, and, and so, Lord, how do I discern your will? The way you find God's will is prayer, scripture, sometimes prophecy, and an abundance of counselors. Let me close with this. When I was a little boy, my dad, who went to church every Sunday, kept boxes of pornography in the garage. He didn't think we kids knew about it. Believe me, we did. I found that stuff when I was eight years old, and it kind of messed me up. To this day, I don't have cable TV in my house. I had to be extremely careful with the internet because that's a problem because of the way I was raised. Well, then when I was about 18 years old, my dad, who went to church every Sunday, got the report from the doctor, you've got six months to live, it's a brain tumor. All the pornography vanished out of our house. And dad started going to church not every week, twice a week dad was going to church, and he died. And can I tell you what I think was going on? God permitted my dad to have all the pornography, but that wasn't his perfect will. So God did something to my dad to get his perfect will accomplished for my father so that he could die properly. When you pray the prayer, thy will be done, that's kind of a dangerous prayer for you to pray because you're praying, God, do whatever you have to to get your perfect will done in my life. All right, it may be scary to pray, but it's scarier not to pray it because you don't want his permissive will. You want his perfect will in your life. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insight to answer questions we have regarding the Bible and our Lord and our everyday walk with him. Before we leave this portion to go to the questions, I'd like to say I think thy will be done is the toughest petition of the Lord's Prayer to pray, why, even why as a Christian. Be? Why? Because Sometimes I think I know what I should be doing, and to turn it all the way over to God is probably a hard thing. So if you're a Christian that struggles with this, you're not alone. I do. Amen. And sometimes I think I have the best answer. And God does So <laughs> when I pray that, it's a hard thing for me yeah. to really say and trust in the That's Lord. That's exactly what it is, but Jackie. When I, want, when I say, thy will be done, I'm saying... God, whatever I want might be wrong. Do your will, because that's what's best. And that's a struggle, because we're sinners, and we love to do it our own way. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to share that, because mm -hmm. that is the hardest petition of the Lord's Amen. Prayer to say. Pastor Brock, when a non-Christian dies, does their soul go directly to hell? I think it does, because if you read Luke 16, the story that Jesus told of the poor man who dies and goes to heaven immediately, and the rich man dies and goes to hell immediately, and the, the rich man in hell is begging to get out, and he can't get out. So I would, I would uh, tell people, read Luke 16, where it talks about people immediately going to heaven or hell. So 
but then does a person who goes to hell face judgment day then too? You know, I think so. Now this is where it gets confusing. I think when you die, your spirit goes to heaven or hell. But you still have to go through judgment day. When Jesus comes down at the end of time, I think we're all raised from heaven and from hell, and you stand before God to judge you, and then you go back <laughs> to heaven or hell. I think it works something like that. Okay. Are we all capable of truly loving God? Are we all capable of truly loving God? I think the answer to that is no. Nobody loves God on their own. I mean, Jackie, when I got evangelical in college, I came home to my family. My dad had died by then. Here's mom sitting on the couch in the living room, and I wanted to make sure she's saved. Mom, are you sure you're going to heaven? I don't know that she was sure, but I said, Laura, let me ask you question number two. If you died tonight and God said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say, mom? And she, she didn't come out with the number one wrong answer, which is I've been good. Instead, she came out with, I love God. And because I love God, I'm going to heaven. Do you think that was the right answer? It's a good answer. All right. I don't think it was the right, the right answer, answer, though. though. Let me tell you why. I don't think anybody, I, I love sin too much. I love me too much. Nobody loves God on their own. What gets me into heaven is not my love for God because it's pretty awful. It's God's love for me. And what I wish my mom would have said was, no, my only hope for salvation is that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. That's what saves us. Again, my love for God doesn't save me. My good works for God doesn't save me. My sin damns me. Only Christ on the cross can save me. Now, so can I love God? Once God gives you, the, once you're saved, once you come to Christ and God gives you the Spirit, then we do love God. But even after salvation, our love for God can be kind of weak. <laughs> so it's, it, again, our only salvation is Christ. Our human nature makes us always question that, mm -hmm. I think, too. Mm -hmm. So, well, you brought up last days and things like that. Are we in the last days now, Pastor Brock? You know, I preached at a church uh, recently, and, and by the way, I'm available to preach now on Sundays or, uh, or your church event. They go to the website, pastorstudy.org, and I, I spoke at a Baptist church for three Sundays. And they asked the question, Pastor Tom, do you think we're in the last days? And I said, I used to when I was in college. And, uh, you know, Israel's a nation again and, uh, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, here's the problem. Christians have thought we were in the last days for 2,000 years. Martin Luther in the 1500s thought the Pope was the Antichrist. Christians during World War II thought Hitler was the Antichrist. So you just got to be careful on this. I think it's always safe to live like you think we are living in the end. And we could be. I mean, Jesus said all the nations must be evangelized before he returns. That's pretty much happened. And so some of the signs that have to happen, I think we're getting awfully close, but we could be off by a thousand years, and we just need to, rec you know, Jesus said nobody knows when I'm, when I'm coming back, so. Okay, we're also, you know, looking at our government when you bring it up and everything like that. Mm -hmm. How do we choose God-fearing leaders for our government officials? Well, you know, it troubles me, Jackie, when Christian people will vote for the most pro-abortion senator in the United States to be our president. I'm sorry, that bugs me. It bothers me when Christian people will elect judges and uh, Congress people who are for homosexual marriage. I'm thinking, does your Christian faith matter to you at all? So one thing you do, it, now we're, we're in uh, various states, but if you live in the state of Minnesota, you can go to MFC, Minnesota Family Council, mfc.org. And when an election is coming, they'll have the voter's guide, and they'll tell you where the candidates are on abortion, gay marriage, etc. I always take that with me when I go to vote. 
because I want, I want to vote like a Christian. So that's one way you do it. But don't you think, Pastor Brock, that, I mean, good Christian people that I know have gotten so tied up with worldly things like their union, if that's where their job is coming from, that regardless of what their Christian faith is, yeah. they'll take and go their union stand, I know, which and may that, not And that's said, okay, my dad was a Democrat, and the Democratic Party used to be fine. Uh, then it got taken over by the pro-choice factors, and I, I'm not saying all Democrats are like this, but officially the platform of the Democratic Party is pro-abortion rights, pro-homosexual stuff, and people got to know that our main loyalty is not to this party or that party, but to the Lord. There are Democrats I can vote for because they uphold Christian values. There are Republicans I can't because they don't. But, you know, if you look at the two parties, their platform, you've you got to do that and pray and vote as a Christian. That's, that's my thought. Okay, so then, Pastor Brock, how can we put God back into government with this type of a yeah. mindset? And, you know, what I would say, God's already in the government, even in pagan governments. When Paul wrote Romans 13 telling us that the government is God's servant, that God uses the government to keep order in society by punishing the evildoer, he said that of the pagan Roman government. The Caesars did not believe it. The Caesars were, were gods in ancient Rome. And Paul says you even submit to that. And the, the Caesars eventually would persecute the church. But Paul's understanding in Romans 13 is even if you've got an atheist unbeliever or a pagan uh, governor or mayor or whatever, you still submit because God has ordained that authority to keep order in society. I mean, Jackie, atheist China, atheist uh, Russia, they still have laws against killing and against murder and, and, and such. So God, God can even use pagan government to, to keep things in order. Well, Pastor Brock, you talked about this being a ministry that started back in 1988, and if you're in the Twin Cities area, you know that it was in the early 90s that we went to Metro Cable Television. Mm -hmm. So right now, there's exciting news, is that we are now in five additional states, aren't yes, we? Yes, we are. Yes, and we are. would you like to tell a little bit you know, about that? Yes, everybody, I'm going to kind of give a plea here. By the end of December, December 31st, we need to raise $150,000 to stay on these TV stations and to stay on our radio show, too. If you go to pastorstudy.org, you can watch our TV shows. You can listen to our two-hour radio live call-in shows. They can get kind of feisty. But um, we would like to see the ministry continue. But again, uh, between now and the end of December, we need $150,000 for the ministry to continue. So I just ask you to pray. If, if you believe in what we're all about, trying to withhold hold up the scriptures in the midst of our age, if you believe in our ministry, we ask you to pray about uh, helping. You can go to pastorstudy.org, and you can see uh, more information there. Or our address is Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, 55430. So please do pray. and. And if the Lord moves you to help, we'd appreciate that. We want you to know that God has blessed this ministry because we are in five states now. And so it's whether or not he wants to continue to bless us to continue that ministry. So pray for us and pray about that decision. Thanks and have a great week. We pray God will be with you, watching over you until we're together again next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry?
Our address is The Pastor's Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.